tune into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank Arturi. And I'm not angry today. He's a little angry. I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm fine now. Like, well, my, my rage from the Patriots is over. And we can almost get some Sabres hockey back into our lives. And what better way to talk about more hockey than right off the bat here, we go to our buddy, the noted jerk himself, Joe Yurden of The Athletic. Joe, what's going on, man? Long time. I know. The last time I talked to you, I think I was in an airport in Montreal, and today I'm talking to you from my apartment in Buffalo, so this is way better. Yeah, way better. I mean, a little little more snow, a lot more losing Mm -hmm. going on. (laughs) We're on a farther end of the spectrum. Well, you know, sometimes you've got to have a a give and take, and in this case, it's, it's, it's just giving up everything. It's giving up nice weather it's giving up games it's giving up all these things it sounds way more dreadful than it actually is well then uh makes it sound like you have a have a sunnier side to this picture i mean the sabers they still sit four points out as they and the penguins are dealing with their bye week but montreal hasn't taken up too much ground the capitals have suddenly tailspun the islanders for some reason are now leading the metropolitan but at the end of the day What's it look like for the Sabres? What is the picture here as they come out of the All-Star break? Well, I, I think the break is is really going to help them out because I think they they needed a little bit of a time away from from us, uh, some time away from the, the, the stresses of of being being in a race where you know things were looking so peachy about you know a month and a half ago, two months ago, and now things are looking a little bit tougher, and it's. I think for them, it's it's something where it's like, okay, we can step away for for a week and just not have to worry about this and get your mind off things, take a step away, and then come right back out and get it because uh, it it's going to pick up quickly. And but but I think with looking ahead to the second half, I think they've got a really tremendous opportunity to get back into this. I mean, all these other teams around them seem to not be losing, which is not great, but. Um, but they're going to have a chance to really kind of turn the screws on everybody else here if they can take advantage. Yeah, and it's two surprising teams that have kind of been on a bit of a slide while the Sabres have been sitting out. Toronto and Washington, of all teams, they are they are both teams that have been struggling through their last 10 games, kind of like a similar record in their last 10 than the Sabres have had. So it's pretty interesting to see, though, and I think that in the end, though, the bye week really didn't uh, really didn't bite the Sabres too hard here. No, I, I this uh, this thing came up at about the right time for him. Um, you know, after after how the, the the Western Canada swing went with the you know the awful loss to Edmonton, you know the tough loss to Vancouver. You know, you get a nice win against Calgary, which you know looks really good because Calgary's been one of the better teams in the league, at least of late and you know certainly all season. But um, you know, you're looking at coming back out of it. You know, you have to deal with a Columbus Dallas road back to back, which isn't great, but then you get the next seven at home, uh, which, you know, the Sabres have been really good at home. They've been able to, to vendo, defend a home ice pretty well. So, um, it, it's going to be a big opportunity for them to, to, to get back into things. And, you know, with Toronto and Washington getting cold, you know, I, I don't really think that that has too strong of an, an effect on what, buffalo has to deal with right now because i think those two teams getting cold it's it's just like a mid-season lull for them i they're they're gonna be in the playoffs they're gonna be good and they're gonna be a pain in the butt to deal with there but um but i think in the case for the sabers i mean it's it's the it's the usual crew they've got to keep their eyes on i 
the the Islanders jumping up is 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 a wild story. But you know, it's it's the Montreal's, it's the Carolina. You know, Carolina's behind them, but you know they've been playing better. You know, it's these different teams where you know that that race for the wild card is going to get really interesting as things go along. Joe Yurden of the Athletic with us, and Joe, one of the biggest things, of course, you've mentioned it the. Uh, the problems on the road, like you've mentioned that they're so good at home, but what's been going on with this team that has got them at such a dreadful road record right now? You know, it, you look at how, they, how they've done things, and I think it's, you know, it's a case of, you know, it, it, it's matchups, but you, you want to put the blame on the matchups. But, uh, I mean, geez, you see, you see how the, the Vancouver game falls apart, and it's just, you know, some, some brain farts there. You know, you know, everybody will remember, you know, Scandella and Reinhardt just watching, uh, just watching the, the go-ahead goal getting scored in front of them. And, uh, you know, and, you know, that, that, you know, those guys are, you know, Reinhardt's always going to get a pass. Scandella's always going to get killed by the fans. But, um, but it's, it's, I, it seems to be almost like a, a mental focus issue on the road where you know maybe they're they're you know they're they're scrambling a little bit more because they're not you know some of the assignments might change as as the game goes along where you know the other team gets their switch in you know the matchups are just like okay what are we doing what are we doing and um you know the 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 lack of success on the road certainly hasn't helped out there either um you know i think this team plays on such such highs with confidence that you know, if they're scoring goals, they're playing well. If they're not scoring goals and and they're giving up goals, then they're kind of looking around, going, "Oh, geez, how do we get out of this?" And there's been a lot more of that going on on the road, where you know they give up the first goal, or they you know they they give up a lead, or you know a team gets gets rolling, and then suddenly they don't, they, you know, they they're just kind of like looking around, going, "Okay, well, how do you know how do we fix this?" And you know that's been a bigger issue on the road for them than it has at home. At home. There's a there's a certain swagger, there's a certain confidence with with how they play there. I mean, company. I think the bad games they've had at home, you could count on one hand where they've struggled. But you know, the the road struggles. I mean, every team generally struggles more on the road, anyways. But the the Sabers issues there seem to be very particular. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's I think weird. of all of the ten teams that are really in the picture, I think the Sabers have the worst road record of them all, with it's only like, ten yeah. wins. Yeah, it's it's them and. Uh... Boston also has ten wins on the road. That's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, but I mean, those are two teams that play really great at home. So I mean, that makes yeah. up for it. But, um, but yeah, but you want to be better. You want to be better on the on the road. But I mean, you could argue that Boston's a team that's that's a one line heavy team. You know, granted their one line might be one of the best in the league, uh, and I think you could say the same for the Sabers. I mean, you know, a line with Skinner and Eichel and, and Reinhardt, or you know, the, the, those guys are going. And you know, if you can shut that line down, which you can do better uh, when they're when they're playing you in your building by getting, you know, they have to play that top defensive line. They've got to play that top defensive pair, and they just kind of have to eat it. You know that makes that makes life a lot more difficult uh, if you don't have other lines going, which is probably another. <laughs> it's a whole other topic we've been we've been all over with the Sabers. You know, it's funny. It's funny too because I look at the West standings, and I see two teams that are currently in the wild card picture in Dallas and Colorado. I look at their records. I look at their stats, and I think Buffalo is literally just like them. 
Both what both mm. are pretty much one line teams, especially Colorado. They have the best line in the league right now in McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. And they're in the second wildcard picture right now. And these are also two teams that are good at home. Dallas is really good at home. And then, but they are really bad on the road. Yeah. It's just funny. No, as I'd say, it's just, it's funny just how, you know, these teams are just all piled in. It's just like, they're all pretty much the same. And, you know, it, the reception on on the team, on the Sabers this year has seems to be like they're gonna fall they're gonna fall out when it's they're gonna when it reality is they're gonna stick right up up in the picture until the very end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't see a precipitous fall for for Buffalo. I mean, it, it you know there, there's there's some things that that were keeping them going early on. I think you know Carter Hutton played pretty well at the beginning. They were getting a lot of goals. Um, you know, certainly, they, they, you know, when the the first line, the J Crew line, got together, um, you know, they were doing a lot of carrying. Then it became, you know, you swap Palmonville out for Reinhardt, and they just kept going along. But um, you know, if, there, if there's issues that are going to keep this team from evolving and climbing up, it's it's that they're not getting a lot of secondary help, and that's the, that's the key to winning on the road is that. You've got another line, or you've got another two lines. If you, if you're Tampa, you have all four lines, or you can just roll out there and and have success. But um, but if you don't have another line that you can challenge their top defender, you know the the home team's defenders, and make them think about how they have to defend you, then that get that makes the game a bit easier to deal with. And uh, I you know maybe you know maybe other things could help change that luck. You know maybe the you know the power play was a little bit better. Or you know, uh, or something else along those lines. Uh, you know that could that could help out a bit. But you know, it's if you don't have another another line that you can roll out there and have a, have be a definitive offensive threat, it's gonna it's a lot harder to win on the road because they because you because that top line is gonna get every bad is gonna get every every bad matchup for for the Sabers. They're gonna get every bad defensive matchup because. They're just going to see nothing but the best players every team's got to have. So that leads me then to this because, you know, we're talking about the problems of not having secondary scoring and how the top line always has to get this tough matchup stuff. And Frank has kind of, you know, tweeted in advance about this. So the question that everyone asks, it kind of, you know, the question that everyone asks, can they trade for someone? Will they trade for someone? And what are your thoughts on if they should, and what do you feel the likelihood that they should? You know, I I think if it's a player that's that's on the younger side and they've got and they've got some years, I think that's a trade that that should be pursued. But you know, what what are you giving up to make it happen? I mean, everybody throws around the first round picks, like now, okay, just give up one of those. Well, you know the organizationally i mean there there's more there's more depth than there has been in years let's let's be honest about that Thank um, you, tim murray but how mm-hmm. yeah, I, right but uh, you know even going back to darcy too i mean granted that's you know that's like ancient history at this point but but i think if you look at what what they've got in rochester and what they've got you know developmentally across across the globe now i, I suppose that's the best way to put it but um what and what they've got elsewhere there's not a lot of 
guys right now where you could say you could call them up, like you could call up a guy right now and put them into the lineup and say that the Sabres are definitively a better team because of it. I don't think that you can make that argument for the guy. I mean, you know, does that mean guys like C.J. Smith or, or Alex Nylander or Victor Olsson are bad players right now? No, absolutely not. Um, but if you're thinking that calling up one or two of those guys is going to be a cure-all for, for getting the offense going, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think, I think we'll see C.J. Smith back at some point. Uh, I think he's, I think he's, I think he, you know, I've written about it already, but I think he's on that, that Connor Sherry sort of, sort of uh, trend where, you know, he's, he's got to show that he's consistent. He's got to show that he's consistent enough in the AHL where you, you can put him in the NHL and he's going to do that regularly. And that's good. Get him up here, get him to stay here. But I think that's, that's the whole point of what they've been doing developmentally is that they, you know, when they get these guys and they call them up, they want them to stay here. They don't want them to, to bounce back and forth constantly between here and Rochester, um, but to fix things, but it, it, to get a to get an NHL established player in there that can contribute and can help and get things done. That's, I mean, that's the real test for Jason Bottrell. But like, what do you you know what what's it gonna you know what's it gonna take to get one of those guys out of there? I think you know a lot of people seem to hint that it's that it's a, a buyer's market, but. You know what price? Yeah, you know, and and Bottrell right now doesn't seem to be the type that's going to give up. Is going to give up a ton to get a guy where if it's a rental player, like absolutely not. But um, but if you're going to chase a guy like a, you know, uh, Twitter seems to love Charlie Coyle in Minnesota as a guy to chase. Um, that, uh, that that's something where you know maybe you, you kick it around and, and wonder how how it can happen, but. I don't know. I, I, it's something where you, you, you're looking for that Jeff Skinner for Cliff Poo in a pick deal every time, and I don't know that that. <laughs> I, I think people are going to be. The thing is, you pull you pull a heist like that once, and and every GM is going to be on their guard against you, uh, hoping to not get swindled again. It seems to always work for for Doug Wilson in San Jose because he always seems to get the good end of those deals. But um, but you know, if you're a young and up and comer. They're gonna GMs are gonna side eye you pretty hard and say, "Listen, you're not gonna fool me. Like you fooled that guy. We, uh, we, you gotta, you gotta give me everything I want." Deals don't happen that way. Yeah, and that's, that's especially since you brought up the fact about what they didn't have to give up so much for yeah. for Jeff Skinner, and that that is always going to be interesting there. And I, I hope, I hope GMs aren't as as protective. If the Sabers are in the market here, but of course, who knows what happens there? There's a there's a quote that I heard uh, on another hockey podcast I was listening to this. I think it was last week. GMs don't throw each other life vests; they throw anvils at each other. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a that's a Elliot Friedman staple. I think um, so. Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> I think it. it I think, I, I think, I think it, it was his Thirty One Thoughts podcast. Yeah, I think I've I've heard and and read that from from Elliot quite a bit, and it's it's the truth. It's the absolute truth that if a team sees that you're in need, you know, like with, you know with Edmonton, I think Edmonton's taken on enough anvils over the years <laughs> where you know it, uh, we've seen how the ship has sunk there. But um, but yeah, but I mean, if you're showing an obvious weakness, you know, teams are going to say, "Hey, buddy, we can help you out. Why don't you take this awful contract?" for this player that could be really good for you. And, you know, you'd be doing us a huge favor. What do you think? And 
That's that's how you end up spiraling out of control. Yeah, and it, again, it's one of those things where we really have to. And it's just it's something where fans have to be guarded on this. I mean, I'm not oh, expecting yeah. anything here on the trade market. I think that they're going to hang on to all those picks. I think they want to be able to use all those picks, and. It's just something that if they just don't happen to make the playoffs this year, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, and it's going to be rough. It would be a huge disappointment to waste that 10-game win streak and everything of the sort there, but it all comes down to, I mean, Jeff Skinner wasn't the only acquisition there. I mean, Connor Sherry is a guy who has really been hot and cold throughout the season. And- Connor Sherry was actually like a favor, a favor trade for the Sabres because – they gave up a conditional fourth-round pick to get a top-nine player, and then they take on a contract of Matt Hunwick. So it was another mm-hmm. one of those trades where Botcher was doing Jim Rutherford and Pittsburgh, you know, former team, a favor. Yeah, but I, I think the the cost in that, I mean, just as far as a contract goes, I mean, that was that was a salary dump for Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, and you know that's why that's why that cost ends up being a bit lower because Pittsburgh had to get had to get down. They, you know, they've got high contract guys there then that makes managing their cap a little bit harder but you know but that's a case where their their development of players has been so good and that's you know that's in part due to Bottrell uh for for getting guys in Scranton to help to help out uh that you can get these guys built up and get them to a point where you know they're three, you know they're 2 3 4 million dollar a year players but when it's time to, to cut them loose, you can replace them from within. I think that's that's the part with the Sabers where I think down the road, that's where that's where they want to be as far as as roster flexibility goes. Because uh, you know when you when you look at you know what happens after this year and after next year with with money getting free, you know you're going to have guys that you have to tie money into. Obviously, you know, Darlene's going to get his big contract. You know, Reinhardt's probably going to get a really good contract. Middle stat. Middle stat's probably going to be on that that sort of Reinhardt path as far as you know how his stuff gets handled. But um, but you know down the road you're looking at paying those guys a lot of money, and if you can replace guys in the the bottom six or you know that that third pair on defense with guys that you've that you've cultivated from within and that are very cost effective, that's that's the part of winning the game that that, that matters and. That's where they want to to get to eventually, and you know they'll get there. Um, but it's going to require patience. You know, the, Jason Bottrell said fixing the AHL was going to be easy, and it was. You know, he got the Emirates back to the playoffs last year, but um, but as far as getting that to be at a point where um, you know the fixes can come come from within, and guys can improve when they get to the NHL and become regular NHL players, that that takes a little bit of time and. You know, we've seen how they've found ways to to clear guys out that you know were were originally part of the plan, but eventually wound up not being part of the plan anymore because they weren't his guys and they they were not going to be NHL players, at least not in Buffalo, anyhow. You also got a they also got to re-sign Linus Olmark this year and Jake McCabe. Those are those are two other guys that I think McCabe's going to get a little bit of a pay a payday. Olmark, I I could see him getting you know. Let around four, less than four, considering that what Koskinen got in Edmonton. <laughs> well, I judging anything based off of what Edmonton does is probably probably not a great I, way to. Well, I'm, my my point my point is I think you can guarantee he's going to get less. Yeah, I 
people, unless you've got a guy like Carey Price or Jonathan Quick, um, you're probably not paying monster money out to a goaltender. Uh, granted, you could argue that both of those guys probably got contracts that their teams immediately regret, but um, <laughs> but it's uh, but that's the kind of thing where if you develop a guy who can carry you that way, geez, that's, that's a pretty good deal in itself. I mean. <laughs> You can if you can have a guy that can dominate and win games and become you know award candidates every year and win you a Stanley Cup or two, then that's that's uh, I think that, I think that's an acceptable loss when it comes to salary. Joe, you're in the Athletic, joining us here for a couple more minutes. Joe, uh, it just with this team and everything of the sort here, people are still looking to the AHL. They're looking toward Olafson and C.J. Smith, as we had talked about earlier, and Alex Nylander and. And Brendan Gooley as well. I mean, you've been up, you've been up and down the road a couple of times. How have some of those players looked down there in the farm? Well, they, they, I look at them like I, th- I think the biggest issue is the consistency part. Which I mean, that's that's going to happen in the AHL. You know, we've seen you know Victor Olson had that huge start, and everybody said, "Oh my God, he's he's only going to be in Rochester for for a month before he comes to Buffalo full time." Well. You know, things cooled off, and, you know, he scored a few goals here recently, but, um, and people are, you know, they see his shot, and they're just like, my God, how, how is this guy not in the NHL? Well, I mean, and, I, and it's, this is not a knock against Victor because he can't help how, how things set up for him, but he's been so wide open on these goals where he's just got all this room to shoot, and that room isn't available to you in the, in the NHL. And I think that's been, the the big test for Victor from the get go is that he's got that great shot, but how can how can he get it off effectively at five on five, and can he do it against NHL level defenders? And you know that if he was lighting up the AHL, you know for like twenty five goals already, I mean he probably would have been in Buffalo by now. But um, but with if the consistency keeps coming. Uh, then that, then that's that's a huge thing, and then that will get him to the NHL. And the same applies for guys like Nylander and for Gooley and for even for Will Borg. I think Will Borgen's on a slower train to the NHL, but um, but I think guys like that, you just want that consistent play. You want to see that the chances and the effort and all that stuff happening every game. You you don't want to see a guy go from you know generating you know eight nine chances in a game to being invisible the next two like that's it's the kind of thing that that won't get you to the nhl and that's something they're working on with all of these guys um you know i i think that's you know that's something that certainly with nylander they've, they've worked on and you know i think for for guys like olsen where it's their first year in this you know playing in north america it's a little bit of a different feel because they're kind of learning on the fly but um but i mean these guys do look good i mean they've 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 produced they've played well you know they're getting some unbelievable performances from guys like Zach Redmond, where you know he's not an option. <laughs> like that, everybody wants everybody wants to see the Sabers bring him up, but he's not an option. But um, but guys like that, it's it's great to see that you know they've got those steadying presences in Rochester to help out. But you know unless a guy's doing things the way Lawrence Pilot was doing them in Roch, um, they're they're not they're not going to come up. Uh, right away, but the, but you know, in talking with uh, Chris Taylor and, and Alex Nylander and some of the other guys there, they want to get it to a point where 
you know, when these guys get called up, they stay. They don't, they don't want them bouncing. So if these guys play at a level where it's like, wow, geez, any day now they're going to get called up, and that, that's, that's, where they want, that's where they want all these guys to be at. Joe, one last Sabres question before I, I ask you a silly one to end it. Um, and if Frank has one, he can butt in as well. But uh, Nathan <laughs> Beaulieu. We mentioned everything with Lawrence Pilot. We mentioned everything there. I mean, Nathan Beaulieu, that that request comes out that he wants more playing time. What do you see happening there at the end of the at the end of the day with Nathan Beaulieu? Well, I, I'm I, I sympathize for Nathan. I, I you know totally get his situation. You know, he's you know it's a contract thing. You know, he's in the last year of a deal. He wants to show what he's worth. Show what he can do. He wants to show it more. You know, I think he's been a better player. Um, but, I mean, Lawrence Pilot's kind of taken that job away. That's That, that to me, is the difference. And, you know, everybody wants to see, you know, you know one or two different guys sit in favor of Bullyu, but that's, that's not how it works, unfortunately. I mean, well, more fortunately, I should say. But um, but it's a tough situation because they've got like seven or eight guys. You know, they've got seven guys right now. You can only play six of them. I mean, you can play seven D, but that that doesn't do anybody any favors. But it's but it's a tough situation. So I understand why you know why he said you know listen, if I'm not going to play, just give me somewhere where I can play. And you know I, I don't I don't know if he felt like he was going to be able to uh, to to force a hand there into getting more playing time because it's it's essentially a, a soft way of asking for a trade. Um, and I mean. Teams need D help, and you know I think a lot of people when they look at Nathan Beaulieu, they think of the guy they saw in Montreal, or even his first, you know, last season here in Buffalo, where he's a bit of a, uh, a renegade out on the ice, where he was kind of doing things how he wanted to do them, and he's not been that player this year. I think he's been, I think he's been very solid in his own end. He's a guy who sticks up for his teammates, and he's been pretty responsible with the puck. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's good possession numbers. He, he checks a lot more boxes now than than he used to, and I think there's a market for a guy like that. But I just don't I don't know what that return would be. I think you're looking at like uh, you know mid a mid round draft pick, and you know maybe maybe like a, a, a you know a not not as hot prospect or somebody who's equal to the task at, at, at him at, at the NHL level. I'm stumbling over my words today, guys. I'm sorry. But, um, uh, You've been out of it for a week. It's know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it, you know, trade-wise, I mean, yeah, he's probably going to get traded. But um, but what you get in return, I mean, it's not going to be dazzling. You know, maybe you know, maybe that's where another forward comes into play. Maybe you know, maybe somebody else to help in Rochester, or you know, maybe somebody else to help in Rochester to get a guy from Roch up uh, to Buffalo. I mean, it, they have options there. That's good, but. Um, but mostly, I just I, I feel for Nathan because he's played well this year, and it's it's just a tough situation. I mean, you look at the Sabers' defense, and you wonder, like, well, geez, how the heck can't this guy get in there? And it's like, well, you know, most of those positions are are spoken for for the most, you know, for for better or for worse. But you know, it's essentially like one or two spots on that blue line where he's got a chance, and you know, it's it's I think it's basically down to one spot now, and Pilot's taken. Man, it's, what a what a time though for not for not having Peter Shirelli around. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that yeah, would have been a great opportunity yeah, to take yeah. advantage of. <laughs> but like, who 
Like, who do you think? Well, no, that, <laughs> that door open, that, that opens way too wide. Like, who do you think he gets for Nathan Bolton? I don't know. Probably anybody but McDavid at that point. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's but, I mean, true. Uh, but no. yeah, but like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's tough. That it gets a lot tougher to project out trades. <laughs> I'm starting to think when it comes to trading Nathan Beaulieu, it might come down to when, whenever Casey Nelson comes back, because you've already yeah. you still have Matt Honwick up, who's pretty much just a practice player right now for the team, and he's so he's always going to be a scratch every game unless something unless they lose like two D men to injury, and then you see Honwick come going in the lineup. And I think until Casey Nelson comes back, I don't really see Bolu getting traded because if the Sabres are going to go try and and they're going to try to make the playoffs this year, why would you trade a depth defenseman? Yeah, no, because once Nelson comes back, you're looking at having nine defensemen exactly on your NHL roster. And I mean, at that point, do you have to like you, you're kind of stuck because no matter what, unless you send Pilot back, which I don't. I don't think they really want to do that right now. Yeah, I doubt that too. Um, but uh, but unless you're sending pilot back, you're looking at putting somebody through waivers mm-hmm. that and putting them and maybe stashing them in Rochester and making their veteran you know the veteran um, issue a lot harder for Chris Taylor to deal with. I mean, you're you know they already had to move Taylor Fadoon out to Dallas to to kind of lighten up the uh, the defensive logjam there, and uh, you know that. You know, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it to him again by sending another veteran guy down, that's 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 really hard because then you then you got guys that are fighting to get in the lineup that you can't put in the lineup. I mean, he, you know, I look at like a guy like Nathan Page down in Rochester, where you know I think he I think he understood understood what the what the situation was that he was essentially going to be, you know, the the veteran you know the veteran guy that's got to sit out more often than not. But like, I don't think you want to make that. I don't think they, I don't think they want to make that a lot harder down a rock for them, but um, but yeah, I mean that you know Nelson's return's probably going to kind of force something to happen there with Bolu or or with somebody else somehow. I mean, it, you have to figure out a way to, to to get a D out of there at that point, and you know, and like I said, I, I, I if if they had any concerns about Pilot in the NHL, I think they would have sent him back already. So I think he's here to stay. Yeah, there it is. All right, Joe. As we know, the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. What a joyous world we live in. <laughs> and Frank, Please contain your excitement. And Frank and I, this is the exciting part. Uh, Frank and I, every segment, every, every, every podcast until the Super Bowl now, we're doing a bit of things we'd rather do than watch the Patriots win another Super Bowl. For example, like I'd rather be forced to eat an entire veggie platter with no bacon hanging around at a Super Bowl party, then watch the Patriots win again. <laughs> so off the top of your head, I want your idea for things you'd rather see than a Patriots Super Bowl win. Uh, I'd rather give myself a pedicure <laughs> with a, with a, with a, with steel wool. <laughs> Then, 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 yeah, then, yeah. Then do that. I think that's. Uh, I, ha- you know, my perspective is different because I don't. I don't exactly hate the Patriots because I'm not a Bill. I'm not a Bills fan. So, <laughs> and besides, my favorite team kicked the crap out of the Patriots this year. So, um, so that I can hang my hat on that. But, but yeah, no, a, a steel wool pedicure. Yeah, I think steel that was- wool pedicure. All right, we're we're writing that one down, Joe. 
Yeah, steel wool. <laughs> steel wool pedicure. Right, yeah. Joe, you're one of the best. Thanks for taking the time, man. <laughs> hey, you got it, guys. Thanks for having me. And, hey, Sabres, they get back to action after the All-Star break. And, uh, well, we'll see what happens from here, right? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, I think that seven game, that seven game homestand at the beginning of February is gonna be very telling because there's a lot of, a lot of tough. There's a lot of like games with teams that they've got to beat, and a lot of games against teams that they have to beat uh, to get this thing going. So yeah, a little tough. They got to start it off on the road, but you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta defend home ice. Got to take care of business. All right, Joe. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, guys. That was Joe Yarden of The Athletic joining us here today on the Leftovers podcast, and he brought up a steel wool pedicure for, rather than seeing the Patriots That's a good win. one. That's a painful one right there, bud. But it's good. I don't, that one's odd. That's an ouchie, bud. Yeah. It's a big oh, ouchie there, that's bud. A, that's a big ouchie there, bud. All right, so, Frank, you had me intrigued about your little conspiracy theory thing. Okay, so... I was t- I tweeted out yesterday and it turns out I was wrong about it. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. That's well, my job, idiot. Yeah. Well, no, I I I'm wrong too most of the time, don't worry. Cuz I tweeted yeah, out Yeah, watch that, our pickem record. Yeah. <laughs> I tweeted out and then Brayton Wilson retweeted it and clarified it, but it turns out both we, we yes, were both uh, wrong Cap that, Fren- with the help of Cap with Friendly, the help of Cap and, Friendly, uh, Paul Hamilton, yes, we got that, we got our answers. Brayton and I originally thought that the Sabres couldn't trade the conditional first-round picks of San Jose and St. Louis because they're not officially Sabres' property. Which I would have believed that, but it also still seemed odd. Yeah, like, it, It's like, it, hey, it instead would. of giving us the rights to that conditional pick, we could just give the rights to it to another team. It's like, And yeah, when, the, and and when those conditions know, and, get and, met, they can go to that team. Like, and, to be, and we didn't, and didn't know that. We didn't know that. I didn't know that you could just trade the rights to a conditional pick to another team. So that whole idea got blown up. So that now so, that you found out that it's well wrong, not really because well I still want to hear it. The Eric Carlson trade. Okay. San Jose gets Eric Carlson. They trade it can one. They trade multiple conditional picks pretty much and there's a lot of stupid conditions with it one of them however was this doomsday scenario where san jose misses the playoffs if san jose missed the playoffs ottawa gets their 2019 first and that punts it to the sabers but the thing is it doesn't punt it that's see that's the thing the sabers get the 2020 yes that was be so but sabers had the 2019 first it was theirs because san jose re-signed kane no it was not wasn't it? Because San Jose still had to make the playoffs. That's why they were able to make that condition. If I, thought Kane the original, signed, I thought the original. If con- Kane re-signed, which he the did. other condition, which was pretty much a given, was that San Jose still had to make the playoffs. I thought it was the year before when they traded for Kane. Last season. No. Or no. Last season, it was. No, because the only conditions of the trade were either Kane re-signs or San Jose makes the West Finals or the Cup Final. Yeah, but that was the stipulation for the first year. If Kane resigned, the only other condition that had to be met was kept, that they see, still see, had to make the playoffs. I'm, I'm that's gonna, why I'm they were. Check. That's why they were able to get away with it. That's why they were able to go ahead and swap it so that if San Jose didn't make the playoffs, Buffalo so gets have, the 2020. I have, I have the trade. I have the trade. San Jose gets Evander Kane. Buffalo gets Daniel Regan. 2019 conditional first and 2019 conditional fourth for the first. 
pick upgrades to a 2019 first if Sharks re-sign Kane. If Sharks don't make the play, if Sharks don't make, yep, you're right, you're right. If yep. Sharks don't make the playoffs in 2019, sh- then Sharks have the option to retain 2019 first above Buffalo's 2020 first. Yes, and that was the thing was we all thought it was a given anyway. That's why. Yeah. Like, if they re-sign Kane, they're a playoff team. Oh, wow, they re-signed Kane. And that then is a first-round pick. Sharks re-sign Kane. Buffalo receives a first-round pick. Yes. So, yeah, okay. that's the thing. If they re-sign him, it was a guarantee they get a first-round pick. The year had to be dependent on if they made the playoffs, which we all assumed that they would, or if they did not, then it would be a 2020. Yeah, that's right. So that was it. Like, that's why everything makes sense to me with the Eric Carlson trade. It does make It's because little... that condition was still open. Yeah, it does make it does make a little more sense, but I still wonder, I still wonder if Buffalo knows something about Carlson, him going to San Jose. Eh, I don't know. I don't. Think I don't so. know as well. It's it's. I don't think so. I do find it odd though that to be able to pull off one of the biggest trades of the summer. I do find it to odd. have to have knowledge of that at the trade deadline. Like I'm. You got to be buds with Doug Wilson in order to get that to happen. I'm wondering, though, because it's odd that San Jose is going to trade for Eric Carlson and not have an extension come with it. Hey, man, if they're because they're, it's quite obvious that they're going for it this year. Yeah, it just by making that. I still don't think that they knew for sure that that was something that was going to happen. It just. The big thing was the Sabres were just really hoping that Evander Kane would resign there. That's the th- that's it. That is it. Yeah. Now, are you ready for my take? What? I don't care what the conditions are. I don't care if you could trade the picks. I don't care. Yeah, because they're probably going to keep them anyway. Not only that, I don't want to give them up. I think I want the Sabres I to be able biggest, to draft and develop. I think the biggest thing that I think fans are not are not, are overlooking right now. They're all saying trade for this guy, trade for this guy, trade this guy, whatever. The trade scenarios that people are coming up with, like, like when we were talking with Joe, people love the idea of Charlie Coyle. Yes, Braden Shen's another guy. Sean Couturier was one that was floated out. I brought up at too. least those last Here's two things. At least those last two names. Those are teams that are probably out of playoff contention. Here's the thing: the Wild. Are in the third spot but in the this, central, but this is the thing. This is the thing that makes none of that ma- none of that matters. Here's the thing that makes that makes it not matter. These kind of trades that we're talking about happen in the summer. Yes, they don't happen at the deadline. Yes, the that closest is true. the closest it closest that would that could happen at the deadline, honestly, is Braden Shen because he's got one more year left. Yep. after this year, that's the closest. Charlie I mean, Coyle, who's got a good contract for multiple years, Sean Kateri, same thing. Anybody else you could throw out there that that has a contract beyond next year? Yeah, those are not in season. Those deals. are, yeah, those are off season moves. That is true. Ryan O'Reilly is the example that I'll put. Yep. Yeah, because he had plenty of term on his deal. It was just signed. Has, yeah, he still has like four years left, I think. Yep. So yeah, a lot of term. The on biggest the deal, that's thing something that's an offseason deal. And yeah. the other thing too is, the team has to want to want to trade him. The team has to want what you're offering. Exactly, you're offering a, a first round pick. Maybe the team doesn't want just a first round pick. Maybe they want a lot for this guy. Maybe, maybe they, they want w- a tangible prospect instead of a. pick. Yeah, maybe they want a really good player along with the first round pick. 
And I, I know Andre Burakovsky just came up on the market, and it's strange what the Caps are looking for, wasn't it? Didn't they say something about like a top six forward or a top nine forward? Uh, yeah, something like that. Isn't Burakovsky that? Yeah. So why are they trading him? I don't know. Probably contract I mean, related. Hall, I mean, maybe, Hall for maybe they know. Happened. Maybe they know something about the team. They don't. They probably not don't being think able that. to resign him. Yeah. So they probably want to get a guy who has some term that's like Burakovsky. Yeah, that makes you know, sense. It's kind of similar to the, what the Blackhawks did. Like, they traded Jalmerson to uh, Arizona and got Connor Murphy, who is kind of similar to Jalmerson, but has term on his on his contract. And then, obviously, training Panarin for Saad. And yep. That, I mean, that backfired. Saad has term. Panarin doesn't. It still backfired on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that would be why you'd make that kind of move. But, yeah, it's just it's all of these scenarios that people are coming up with realistically tend to happen in the summer. Yes, I agree with that. That makes a lot more sense. So when when offseason comes around, anything can really happen. Anything I, always does is, happen. Yeah, and – you know, even for teams that made the playoffs, names can come up in in the in the uh, trading market. And then, sure, yeah, we could come up with some more some interesting scenarios or interesting ideas. I think right now, though, anything that anything that's being made in that caliber, likely, I think is it's slim. It's slim to none that it would actually happen. Even less than that. And I'm still on the boat where I think I don't think the Sabres are going to make any big moves to the roster. I think if they make a move, it's going to be small. I would even suspect the only moves they're going to make are AHL moves. Yeah. If they like, they just traded Justin Bailey for Taylor Lear. They're two similar. They're the same players, pretty much. That's about it for the AHL, and at best, they're fourth liners in the NHL. Yep. That's it. That's all. That's really the most I can see them doing. I agree with that. All right, Frank. We're just about done here. Okay. Two things. Yeah. One, we'll probably get a Senior Bowl recap on Monday. Cool. I'll, I'll try to reach out and get someone there. And then two, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. What would you rather do than see the Patriots win another Super Bowl? All right, let's go. Here we go. We got Joe Yurden's steel wool pedicure. Ow. Someone with dry hands, that hurts even more for me to think about. Yeah. That's just like a a double ouchie there, bud. Mm -hmm. All right, so I've got a couple ideas. Okay, go ahead. All right, here we go. I'm going to start off with... I would rather have eight months of winter than see the Patriots win another Super Bowl. Ooh. Okay. Going off the winter thing, I would rather drive 100 miles an hour down a busy street with all the snow on the ground and not be able to stop. So you're just literally saying you'd rather die. Yeah, pretty much. That's dark. Well, that's dark. All right, I've got a got an absolutely ridiculous one. I'm looking at your freaking Pokemon shirt right now, so I like that, the Pokemon. So shirt. I'm going to go that theme here. Okay, 
I would rather have to be forced to take Bulbasaur every time I play Pokemon. Ooh. <laughs> For people who don't know, uh, Derek's Pokemon of choice between Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle is Squirtle. That nobody takes the grass Pokemon. That's nobody it. does. Nobody does it. Nobody does it. You know what's you know what's sad about my Pokemon shirt? Bulbasaur's not on here. See, even the shirt doesn't want Bulbasaur on there. They'd rather stick a Meowth on there for no reason. All right. Stupid. I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt. I've got one here. I would rather watch the prequels exclusively as my Star Wars movies forever and ever than see the Patriots win a Super Bowl. Wow. That's strong, right? Yeah. I would I would willfully ha- I would willfully make episode 2 my favorite Star Wars movie <laughs> if it meant the Patriots never win another Super Bowl with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. I forgot to pose the question up on Twitter, so we don't have any responses for it this time. We'll do it later. But what we will do is we will do that for you guys again. Yeah. So that you can do that. And you can reach us with your ideas. That can be equally as stupid and inane or as dark as what Frank went with. <laughs> or as what painful as Joe Yurden went with. I mean, the other one I came up with was painful, too, on the last podcast. Take Erasmus with Stallone and Slapshot. I came up with worse. Yeah. Having a punching bag for an MMA fighter. <laughs> you mean a, pers- being a-, a personal punching bag. You mean being a punching bag? No, I mean, like, the personal punching bag. Oh, okay. I mean, you could be a punching bag for an MMA fighter. That's not good either. <laughs> That's probably internal bleeding, as a matter of fact. <laughs> That's just bad. And external bleeding, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Internal, external, you know, that's how fights probably work. <laughs> All right. I would rather, I would willfully get into a fight with a 25-year-old Rob Wright. I'd rather get into a fight with current day Rob Wright. That still wouldn't work for me. I know, but go, I wanted still to go, go well. I wanted to go in, your, in his still prime. Wouldn't, it still I wouldn't go well. I wanted to go in his prime Rob Wright because he was, you know, Rob yeah. probably still has the jam. I'm not messing oh, with the Oh, and I'm talking now. about the force of the punch. I'm talking about the speed. No, I know. I'm just saying, though. Like, I'm, He probably has the speed still. Who knows? Like, Maybe probably. it's just like muscle memory. It could be. I ain't finding out. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, would you rather fi- find out than see the Patriots win a Super Bowl? Yes. Okay, here you go. <laughs> I got to call him a grocery stick when, uh, when I get back up in the booth. <laughs> When I get back to the press box, I just got to call him a grocery stick, see what happens. <laughs> that, was an that. Inter- that was an interesting day on Chopin Bulldog when uh, they were going over some hockey lingo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, yeah, I saw the yeah. – I saw Chop tw- tweeted about it and, with the one T. Yeah, and then the grocery stick, that was the best one. And for those that don't know, that means uh, the player that separates the forward and the D-men because he doesn't play. And he's staying on the bench, kind of like how a grocery stick – Separates like the celery and the, yeah, there you go. You like that, huh? Oh, that's fantastic. So there you go. If you if you're a hockey player, you got a new chirp right there. Call someone a grocery stick. Yeah, grocery stick. I mean, I am. I know it's okay. <laughs> Takes one to know one. I mean, I can't be. I'm a goalie. No, I know. I'm saying like I know though, so I w- yeah. I can call people that. Yeah, there's plenty of grocery sticks on our uh, ice hockey team. Samuel. <laughs> 
So Side was one of them. Oh come on, man! <laughs> All right, so we have fun on the Leftovers podcast. Yes, I mean, if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Yeah, and I hope you've had fun listening. We'll try to talk some Senior Bowl for Monday. Get a recap on the week that was there. Try to get some uh, perspective on how UB products Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson did. What top prospects are probably going to be in the Bills' gleaming eye. And we'll try to do an over-under on how many Senior Bowl prospects get drafted by the Bills this year. They have 10 over the last two seasons on the current roster. They have 10 draft picks this year. And also, they drafted nine of those. They've drafted nine players with picks that were senior bowl players. They cut one, but two players on the Bills' current roster are undrafted that were senior bowl alums from the past two seasons. Connor McDermott and Levi Wallace. Ah. Yeah. Nice. There you go. So are you talking just in the last two years? Yes. Okay. Since McDermott and Bean oh, have been McDermott, here. And since McDermott took over, because Bean yes. wasn't here in 2017. Yes, draft. but McDermott still had a heavy senior bowl yeah, class as well. Yeah, so Zay Jones, Deion Dawkins, amongst them. We can them. talk more about this on Saturday too. That's right. We do a Saturday show, nine to ten a.m. As we get started before high, Inside High School Sports, and then Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Thanks for listening, Derek Kramer, Frank Curry. This has been the Leftovers Podcast here on WGR5.com. We'll check you guys next time.